Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning. Here we are on a cloudy surprise, surprise. This gloom has hung over Cincinnati for I don't know how long. Is it ever going to end? Will we ever see the sun again? That is a legitimate question in these parts right now. Mm -hmm. Boy, welcome to uh, Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Casey, Lindsay, how's everybody doing today? No beard, Casey. Yep, no beard today. I uh, decided to uh, shave it to prepare for my wife's birthday. So what do you start when it was that long and that thick? You start with one of those electric things? Yes. To go it all down, and then you, you go get it down to a point where you go with a regular razor. Is that how you do that? Uh, I did not do that this time. I just took the electric razor and got real close, and now I've got a stubble. So that's what she likes, so. Well, you can't have all that hair. Did you do that over like a toilet? Did you over like a trash can? You can't do that like over a sink, right? It's just too much well, hair. If you do it over a sink, all you got to do is put some paper paper rolls down. and. Yeah, but you're not yeah. having it go down the drain. No, yeah, I yeah, capture yeah. it and throw right. it away. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Lindsay, you had a good weekend back at home? I did have a good weekend back at home. It was Folks nice. are good. Everybody's yes, good. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. Great. Good. Welcome back. Thank you. Gentlemen, how we doing? You won a little money this weekend, huh? Mm, I did. I did. It was great. I could have won a little bit more had the uh, Lions not been choke artists. But listen, I, I, I think it was one of those weekends that uh, it really gives me the itch. It gives me the itch to keep gambling and never stop. So I, I, I hit a couple absurd, absolutely crazy parlays, or I guess just regular bets. But yeah, good for me. Well, the you one won- you would have won, if you'd have put a hundo, you'd have won 9000 That would have been good. That would have been fun. Instead, you put a dollar and won. 91 Right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, to be fair, that's just an absurd bet. I mean, that to, to call out by name who's going to score the first and second touchdown is a preposterous bet. But shout out to FanDuel. They offered it, and I took it. Um, and, then the sec- and then the second one, I hit. Uh, it was uh, crazy odds for Jamison Williams. Um, to 30 score, to 1. That's to, true sample odds. To score a first touchdown. I mean, he's like, what, one of the four or five best offensive players on the team? I think that was crazy. So... I, yeah, I, I took that one, hit that one as well, and then I hit a couple other touchdown scores throughout the game. It was great. It was a great day for old Elliot. Congratulations, Elliot. Thank you. You, wow. you said it, it kept the itch going. Have you ever lost that itch? Yeah, I've lost the itch. Uh, I retired for that one 14-hour uh, stretch there, but I, ever, ever since then, I've been pretty— I've Then been, the itch just got to yeah, be too much. Yeah, it's, it's too much. You try to scratch it like you get it at your back. You oh, yeah. the back of the car mm. seat, you know, oh, yeah. you can't reach it. No, yeah, yeah. you'll never reach Ask it. Ask a common stranger how to just to scratch it for you. <laughs> Lawnmower man probably will scratch it. That's right, he will. See? He will. Right. He brought it up. He brought it up. Three minutes into the show. We did. I didn't even get <laughs> near did. that. You doing all right? I'm doing right. I'm doing all right. It was a up and down weekend. Uh, I was, I, sp- I had the goal of working on my my truck, changing the brakes and rotors and everything like that. But I then found out that I don't have the right lug nut key for my truck, so I didn't mm. get to work on it. Wow, so. There's always next weekend. Right. There's always an, always another day. All right, well, you hope so anyway. Right. Uh, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey. to 12, hey. and you can join us on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page. We broadcast live every day on X. That's at C-Box Sports. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Now, we said it last week, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Now, look, 
There are conspiracy theorists all over the place out there. And this comes as no surprise. Maybe some of you are in this conspiracy camp that the Chiefs and the 49ers, along with every other team in the league, was in on a big fix to have the Niners and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, right? The big, I've been reading that all night, it's all so, day. It's, it's rigged. so tired. It's, it's so rigged tired. that these two teams are going to play in the Super Bowl. It's gotten to the point, though, one has to admit, where it seems like one of these two teams plays in the Super Bowl virtually every year. And unlike baseball, there's a salary cap. So everybody's playing by the same rules. These franchises just do it better than virtually everybody else. For Kansas City, it's their fifth trip to the big game in the last six years. Every time Patrick Mahomes is under center, it seems like they're playing in the Super Bowl. He will go down, if not already, as truly one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Starts a game yesterday. Ravens decide to defer right down the field. Touchdown, right? Completes his first 11 passes of the game. Now, was he perfect? No. In fact, the Ravens' defense was so good, they shut him out entirely in the second half. We've seen that story before with the Bengals on offense against Kansas City. But Kansas City's defense is really good. We've talked about it all year long. They forced Lamar Jackson into a pair of turnovers, including a late interception in the end zone when he threw the ball into triple coverage. 17-10 to 10 the final. The Ravens, they just completely unraveled. They got away from their identity running the ball. They were hit with devastating penalties, including a taunting penalty on their way to a touchdown. They fumbled in the end zone. You know, to put it in another way, they were not the best team in football that we saw all year long during the regular season. This is the postseason. Lamar Jackson is now 0-4 in playoff games when his opponent scores more than 13 points. 13 points. Now, over on the NFC side, the Brock Purdy naysayers, not quite as loud today. He led the Niners to a win with his arm and maybe even more so with his feet. 27 second half points for the Niners in route to an amazing 34 to 31 come from behind win over the Lions. 17 of those points came in truly an extraordinary eight-minute span in the third quarter. Remember, Purdy was being questioned on whether he could lead a comeback. He did it against Green Bay, and he does it to send his team to the Super Bowl. The Lions, meanwhile, got to this game thanks to the leadership and the gambling nature of their head coach, Dan Campbell. But that very nature came back to bite him on a pair of failed, critical fourth down drives that took almost certain points, game-tying points, game-leading points off the board. San Francisco will vie for its record-tying sixth Super Bowl title. Lions an amazing year, but it ends in heartbreaking fashion. Elsewhere in the NFL, the Browns named former Buffalo offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey as their new OC. He was fired midway through last season. The man who took his place, Joe Barry, 
had his interim tag removed yesterday and will take over that role full-time under Sean McDermott in Buffalo next year. College basketball, what a win for UC on Saturday. They played without Victor Locken. He was sick. They trailed UCF by 12 at the half, and things were not looking good. These are the games they have to have. If they want to get to eight or nine wins to get in the tournament, these are the games they have to have. In the second half, they outscored the Knights 41-18 to in a 68-57 win. UC 14-6 on the year, 3-4 and four in the Big 12. And we'll play another game you got to have Wednesday night in Morgantown against West Virginia. And for X, woo. They played well. They looked good. Could it possibly get any uglier? I, I, mean, I, I, I mean this. This is not Xavier. They don't have this done to them by anybody. I know they played the number one team in the country and they played them on the road, but goodness gracious. 43 point law. 43! 99 to 56, the final. UConn goes to 18 and 2. X is now 10 and 10. And you talk about games you got to have. Sean Miller said it in his radio show after the game. Actually, he called from the locker room after. I don't know when all that changed, by the way. I think it was right around COVID. I'm pretty sure is when it happened. But that is, it is nonsense. The last time I checked, COVID's done. That's correct. Yeah. So he was in the arena when I'm listening yesterday. And what he does from time to time is from the arena in his office. Correct. He calls the radio program. Correct. He calls To be on with Joe and Barry. That's right. I mean, uh, Byron. He does not join them live. Well, he said you got to dig deep now. And try to bounce back on Wednesday. You got to forget about it. He's right. Because Rick Patino and St. John's come rolling into town. St. John's beat Villanova 70-50 to 50 over the weekend. I looked at Joe Lenardi, who does an incredible, he works very, very hard. The guy at ESPN who does that bracketology thing. This morning, this morning, he had Villanova in the tournament. Not in the play-in games. He had Villanova in the tournament, and you see the first four out. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, Lenardi's silly. I mean, and the other thing that blows my mind, he has TCU as part of the first four out. TCU, who just beat Baylor on the road in triple overtime over the weekend. Who has, Lord knows how many wins over top 15 teams this year. Wild. I mean, I... I tell you, I mean, those guys are smart. They know their stuff better than I do. But I sit there and just eye test. I'm like, are you kidding me? Villanova loses to 20 against St. John. Villanova? Yeah, they've lost uh, four out of their last five. five and they're in. The, he doesn't have them as one of the play-in games. Right. He has them as a final-seeded team, at-large team. Oh, well. What do I know about it? All right, let's, um, let's get to the championship games. And let's start. I want your macro, you know, tell me something I don't know here, what your thoughts were about the game. Ravens were the best team all year long. They were the best team. And I mean, it, you felt like you, even, you weren't even watching the same team we watched all the – we gave the stats last week. They're the first team and. I think it was 30 or 40 years 
which every team they played this season that was three games or more over 500, the closest game they played was a 14-point win. The other games, including the Niners, 20, 30, 35 points. Miami. What happened? Well, Tom, they just got – well, Ravens got away from what made them who they are. I mean, they, they tried to get away with throwing the ball, with trying to stay away from the run and not control the clock. And, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, they just absolutely dominated time of possession for most of this game. The Ravens had no chance through the first half of competing with them. I mean, they only ran, like, I think maybe 15 plays yep. in the first half. Yep. I mean, that's incredibly – that's incredible, incredible defense from Kansas City. Um, give props to Reed over there. He kept telling us yep. all season long that that defense is a top three defense. And I, I knew it was Correct. good, but when, when it mattered most – I mean, Chris Jones is just elite, man. I mean, I don't think we give that guy enough praise. He is probably just as good, if not maybe even better than Aaron Donald in some ways. Yep. Because the dude just shows up when you need him on third down every single time. Whether that's a, a, a stopping the run or whether that's getting to the quarterback. Lamar Jackson, getting to Lamar Jackson, sacking him, is a completely different animal. And he was doing that. So... Overall, what this game really told me was the Chiefs on defense are, one, incredible this year. I think that they were underrated. Um, even most people titling them a top 10 defense, I think that's wrong. I think they're a top three defense like Reed was alluding to. I think that the Ravens, they can't rely on Lamar Jackson to throw them into a, a, a game against a top five defense. Um He's proven time and time again that he can't score a ton, that he makes critical mistakes. And uh, if they don't get a good run game going, their offense just doesn't work. Um, what more is there to say about the Ravens other than that? I feel like that they just fumbled the bag. They had a lot of opportunities to, to, to win that game. They made critical mistakes on offense. And... Overall, their defense played great. I think we all expected their defense to play great. Right. I mean, they only gave up 17 points. Yep. Completely shut out Mahomes in the, the second, second half. half. Right. But it's complimentary football. You can't fumble all the back of the end zone. You can't throw into triple coverage. You can't, you know, not be who you are and not completely abandon the run game. you got to be who you are. You can't be someone different to beat Patrick Mahomes. So. Thoughts, boys? Well, it, I, I can't believe – the run game for the Ravens, they didn't use the running backs at all. They didn't They didn't run the ball once. I think it was like on that first drive, Gus Edwards had like a 12, 13 or something yard carry, and then he had two more carries for the entire game after that. Justice Hill had three carries, so six six carries by running back. That's crazy. That's I mean, that, Bengal-esque. That it, well, that's, that it might, might be a little bit Bengal-esque. I mean, Lamar was scrambling, and even that wasn't, I mean, as successful as it has been in the past, so... I thought it was strange. I thought it was a strange offensive game plan for the Baltimore Ravens. Saying that, the Chiefs' defense is elite. Uh, Patrick Mahomes still came to play. And even when their offense is off, it's still like it does enough. It does enough to win the game. And, and it does seem like the Ravens had a couple of very good chances to win that game. I think we were texting uh, throughout the game, uh, Reed in the group chat. But, and he was saying it should be like the Chiefs were 
the Chiefs should be up at like 15. Chiefs dominated that game. And, and the and Ravens. still, Ravens had plenty of opportunities. Ravens had enough chances throughout the entire way to win that game. And it was it was silly turnovers, silly mistakes by Zay Flowers. Mm-hmm. One of the world's worst interceptions. I saw Ravens fans calling for a pass interference on that. If you're begging for a pass interference when your quarterback throws into triple coverage, when your receiver is behind all three of the defenders, we can't help you. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't be begging for everything. So, yeah, I thought that game was – it was a great game. It was a good football game after – I mean, it was a good defensive football game. So, uh, But the Chiefs earned it. The Chiefs are the best team in the, football, in the AFC. That, well, that's the point. That we keep doing this thing, and, and this is the talk. I see – I'm reading it in the chat right now. The Ravens aren't a very good team. The Ravens aren't for real. What are you talking about? The Ravens weren't just great this year. They were historically great. All year long. The team that won the NFC Championship, Ravens beat them by 100. Constantly beating up on teams late in the season. (laughs) But we want to belittle them because they lose this AFC Championship game against a dynasty. And that's what this Chiefs team is. It's a dynasty. This is the same thing that people are doing with Josh Allen, right? They're going, none of these Bills teams, they're not very good, right? But they keep losing to the same team over and over again. At some point... We got to realize that beating the Chiefs is an incredibly tasking thing to do. And not enough people, like every time, every single step of this postseason run for the Kansas City Chiefs, people have had some excuse, right? They, they, they beat the Dolphins. It was cold, too. I think the Dolphins can't play in the cold. And then it was the Bills. Oh, the Bills aren't, I mean, like, come on. The Bills aren't a real team. Ah, oh, Lamar Jackson played terrible. At some point, you got to give credit to this Kansas City Chiefs team. And I don't know if enough people have. I really don't know if enough people have given them their their proper credit. I said, Casey alluded to it, I said it all year long. This defense is one of the best defenses in the league. It's top five. And it shut down this Ravens offense. Shut it down. Made Lamar Jackson, who's going to probably be a unanimous MVP, made him play bad. You know, I I think I'm, I'm comfortable in saying this. I think this Chiefs team is better than last year because of how much improved they are on defense. I mean, offensively, they're still putting up good numbers. It's not like like Reed alluded to. They're still really high in yardage, right? It's just a matter of scoring. Mm-hmm. And they had problems scoring in the red zone last year, too. It's not like that Correct. was completely, uh, you know. I mean, they were still, like, top 10 in that. But I think they're much, much better this year. And it's mainly because of that defense. I think uh, this year the Chiefs have a really good shot. I mean, it's. I don't want to jump over to the next game just yet in yet. case someone else wants to talk about it. But um, the the one thing I will say about the, the Ravens, jumping back to that side real quick, I think people are, like you said, Reed, they're not giving the Ravens credit either. But to be fair, Lamar has not been able to put up enough points in some of these games. Well, I mean – there, it's his defense that's really good, right? That's what I, I've right. come to realize. Their offense... They put up like 35 points last week, but yeah. Yeah, but the, a rookie quarterback, and I, I remember... Do you remember me sending that text? I don't think I talked about it in the chat, but John Harbaugh against rookie quarterbacks is like 28-4 and four or something like that. Something right. ridiculous. All rookies struggle against the Ravens and that defense. And it was mainly a defensive win, in my opinion. I, I get, I get saying that it was they put up thirty something points, but they held the Texans to what ten points, 
No offensive, no offensive touchdowns. That's correct. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's a defensive win. Right. So, well, so to me, to me, the Ravens were always a great defensive team. I always had my my pause against their offense because I didn't think they had some sort of like explosive offense, and most of it came from Lamar Jackson's legs. This year, we saw a lot of him throwing the ball, but when it mattered most in this game, he was very inaccurate. There was mm-hmm. some throws he would love to have back. I think we can all agree with that. And I think when push comes to shove, when it matters most in the playoffs, he struggles. He's got a playoff woe. He's got something wrong when when it comes to the playoffs. I I mean, yes, right? We haven't seen that big, huge game from – I mean, the the Texans game, he played fantastic. But you're right. I mean, like, when people talk about how, ah, Josh Allen can't get it done in the postseason, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Go look – I think he's, like, literally got the best stats from a quarterback in the history of the postseason – he just keeps running into the Chiefs. Lamar, there's actually some some cause for concern there that now he's played in four postseasons and has played well once, maybe maybe twice in those four postseason trips. But I think the point that I just want to get across here that I don't think enough people are talking about, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs does not make you a fraud. No. Losing to the Kansas City Chiefs does not make you a bad team or a team not worthy. I... I I think if the, the Ravens or the Bills played in the NFC, they'd be playing in the Super Bowl. I truly believe that. Truly believe that. But here we are. They lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. Ah, those teams aren't for real. We can't take these teams seriously. That's just the thing that I want to stay away from in any discourse that we have talking about this AFC championship game is <laughs> when you lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, it does not make you a fraud. No, it doesn't yeah. make you a fraud. But, but, but what it does make you is because – universally everybody in this room and anybody who watched the NFL this year would, would, would come to uh, a unanimous decision that the Ravens, we've talked about this a little bit already, they were the best team in football this year. Undoubtedly. They were the best team. So you are allowed to question what happens when the pattern starts to repeat itself. Now look, Lamar Jackson's 26, 27 years old. Okay, Peyton Manning has he had the exact same record as Lamar Jackson has in the postseason, two and four. Manning had the same numbers through his first six years and had never won an cha- AFC championship game. Now, the difference between Lamar Jackson and those Peyton Manning teams was the defense. The Ravens have had a top two ranked defense overall cumulative in the six years Lamar Jackson has been there. The Colts were in the mid to low 20s over those runs. I mean, they had some standout players, the, 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 the rushers, Freeney and these guys, but they didn't have a defense like Baltimore has a defense. Nothing even close. So while I am in total agreement with your assessment about it's not embarrassing to lose to the Chiefs, there comes a point in time is when are you going to put your foot in the sand and do something about it and not get bullied on the beach anymore. And if I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, I, I start to get, I said this last year about Burrow, if you remember. I said if Burrow does not win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, there is going to be the narrative out there that can he win the big one. That is going to happen. It's human nature. It's sports media. That's what people do. That's what fans do. And they have every right in the world to do it. You might be, have your hometown. It's like this stuff I read about, you know, Burrow and Brady are the only guys to beat Mahomes. Big deal. 
Only one of those two guys won Super Bowls. Brady. The Bengals' defense is the reason they beat Mahomes. Just like the reason Mahomes won this weekend wasn't anything that he did. He was good. Mm -hmm. When you get shut out in the second half, it ain't that good. I must be honest about it here now. Any other quarterback in this league gets shut out in the second half of a game, you're going, come on now. They're supposed to be the best quarterback in the league and he can't get a point in the second half. One point? Can't kick a field goal? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like Mahomes was vintage Mahomes because he wasn't. But a lot of that has to do with Baltimore's defense. They're that good. But, you know... There is a difference in anybody, and it's all the analytics people who get all wrapped up. It's like you were talking about a second ago about Josh Allen. I don't care about Josh Allen's stats. It's like people are going to tell me Brock Purdy wasn't that good yesterday. Every time they needed a play, Mm -hmm. they're down 24-7. to Every time they needed a play, the play got made. Whether he was running for 21 yards, running for 12, crossing pattern over the middle to Kittle, the miracle catch by Ayuk. The bottom line is the plays got made. So don't tell me about the, about the stats. I don't care about them. Who won the game? What quarterback yesterday was down 24-7 to at halftime? And the biggest drive of his career, according to Kyle Shanahan, was the first drive to start the second half. They get the ball. What does he do? Straight down the field, touchdown. Here we go. Game on. 24-14, and there's still 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. So, you know, stats stats can be anything you want them to be. Anything you want them to be. Who won the game? Who won the game? Mahomes won the game, and Lamar is now 0-4 in games where an opponent in the postseason scores more than 13 points. 0-4, 13 points. That's a two-time league MVP in his first six years in the league when he gets it this year. not good. That's not good. It's not good. And he's got as many Super Bowl titles as Josh Allen has. N-U-N, none. And neither one of them, but one can have great stats, the other can have terrible stats. Who won the game? Well, that's the point, is they just keep running into the same buzzsaw. Like, we didn't we didn't grade. But would I, you say that Mahomes yesterday was a buzzsaw? The Chiefs no, are? The, chi- the Chiefs the Chiefs, are. The, Chiefs, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs were good yesterday. They were, especially, they were great on defense. This is, I mean, this is a very beatable Chiefs team. They're very beatable. They Why scored no one 17 beat points yesterday. Well, I mean, I, I agree, Tom. They, they are beatable, but the, the difference is they have guys on both sides of the ball that when it matters most, like Chris Jones or Mahomes or Kelsey, they just make plays, plays after play after play. On the other hand, you have Lamar in the playoffs who continue to make bad plays after bad play. Zay Flowers... Bad play after bad play. I mean, we, we didn't even talk about the taunting penalty. Yeah, we'll get into all that. We got plenty of time to do that. But that, that's the difference to me. I agree with you about the – I know I don't want to jump over to the Brock Purdy thing just yet. We'll, but, just, keep, we'll just keep going back and forth, sure. But, but Brock thing. Purdy, I mean, he made the plays when it mattered. His teammates 
helped him get there as well. Ayuk making that fantastic yeah. catch. Um, the defense getting that strips fumble. I mean, I, I'm with you. It's well, it's all about who actually makes plays yep. in the end. And both teams, I think, they obviously they both deserve to be in the Super Bowl, but it's because of the guys that they have when they need to make a play. Those guys make plays when it matters most. All of them do. I but I think I and again, I don't want to I don't want to go too much into it, but if if Tom, if what you're saying is 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 your opinion, right? It's it's the stats or whatever. It, it comes down to making these so-called plays. There's and the Chiefs scored 17 points, but if the Chiefs need a first down, I have no doubt in my mind they are going to convert. Good point. On third and God knows whatever yep. at the end of the game when he's lobbing balls up to Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that Mahomes is going to do it because that's what he's proven to do in the past. He makes plays. Now statistically, he was also very good. He was what thirty for forty. So it's it's I again the the Chiefs are just a very good football right. team. Are right. they beatable? I, I don't know because, sure. to be quite honest, for the past six years, they really haven't been. But I, I, if there was ever a chance, yes, it was yesterday. And Lamar Jackson, legitimately, uh, he, he fell into his shadow. So, so I, I guess if you're, if you're a Ravens fan, you say good season. But at the end of the day, there is serious concern when you get to the playoffs and you underperform every single time. There is a, there is a little bit of a narrative to that. Yeah, I will say there is one thing that I think is very – damning about what happened with the Ravens it wasn't just that the players made mistakes but the we alluded to it a little bit the coaching decisions were awful yesterday for the Ravens and I'm not talking about the head coaching I'm talking about the offensive play calling I'm talking about the defensive play calling whoever they thought was a good idea to just let Travis Kelsey do yeah. whatever the hell he wanted and to not run the ball with your running backs I mean Munkin all year long has been so good at having a balanced attack. Their defense has been so good at shutting down what they do best. And they did neither of those things yesterday. And yet it was still a 17 to 10 yep. loss. I mean, it's just. Yeah, the Kelsey thing. I mean, I know we talk about this all the time. Uh, but, you know, we had, who was it on last week? And they were talking about. Billick. Yeah, it was just like. They, that has to be like the number one game plan. And Brian Billick pointed out last week, says every time you turn around in these big games, Travis Kelsey is wide open. I mean, it's mind-boggling how wide open he is. And all I heard about was this, you know, this guy that was going to cover Mahomes, I mean, could cover Kelsey the whole game for Baltimore. They just got, they got the guy to shut him down. They targeted him 11 times. He had 11 catches for 117 yards. Scores another touchdown. When you put into perspective, and I know this isn't breaking news, and you heard it yesterday during the telecast. Nobody in this room is really old enough except for me to remember Jerry Rice. Right. And Tony Romo really is barely old enough too. But he said exactly what anybody who ever watched Jerry Rice thinks the exact same thing. Anybody who breaks any record that Jerry Rice holds, you truly can't believe it happened. Because if you go look at the all-time career receiving numbers, yards, catches, all, I mean, it, it's not even close. He was the greatest player at his position 
that's not even debatable in the history of the National Football League. You can talk about quarterbacks. You can talk about left tackles. You can talk about linebackers. You can talk about whoever you want to talk about. No human being ever walked the planet was better at their position than Jerry Rice was as a wide receiver. It was insane, stupid stuff. Just go look at the career year by year, number by number. It'll blow your mind if you've really never looked at it. And to think that Travis Kelsey, now in fairness, there are more rounds to the playoffs than there was when Jerry Rice was playing. But to think that Travis Kelsey has more postseason receptions than Jerry Rice and has more postseason touchdowns, it, it's, it is mind-boggling. People, for some reason, had gone south on this guy. They may not like his personalities and commercials. He's dating the most famous person in the world, and they show her on TV all the time. When the dude puts on his helmet... And puts on his shoulder pads. It is all business, man. And that first catch he made, that's all you need to know. He made two of the most impressive catches I've ever seen him make. In all seriousness. The the one where he leaped up real high. And then the one where he leaped forward to get the first down. Those are two of the most impressive catches. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is absolutely incredible. And that's that that's the whole thing, right? I mean, him and him and Mahomes, that's that's a tough, it's a tough duo to beat. Uh the, the guy you're alluding to from the Baltimore Ravens, Kyle Hamilton, he played fantastic, Tom. He really did. I know I know Travis Kelsey had a great game, but Kyle Hamilton was a baller yesterday. He's I know I belittle safeties a lot on this show, but that dude that dude's an absolute gamer. Listen, we we, we, we talk there's been a lot of points that have been brought up since last time I talked, and, and it's like one team that the Chiefs look beatable. Who looks more beatable, the Chiefs or the 49ers at this point? And I would argue the 49ers look far more beatable because I they've agree. almost they've got outplayed by uh by two teams that are far um, less in skill level in the, the Packers and the Detroit Lions. Which is crazy. I mean, you, they, you could legitimately got outplayed two straight consecutive games. Back-to-back games. They're two playoff games this season. They have right. been outplayed. They had the world's worst choke job against the Lions. The Lions choked the game away. And then you have Anders, whatever his name is, for the Green Bay, Anders Carlton, I think. Uh, if that guy is able to make a kick at any point during the season, the, the Packers probably win that game. I know if you can't but play. But it doesn't you matter. It doesn't matter. They're in the Super Bowl. You can't. You can't play the ifs and onlys. Whatever. You can't. You can't do it. But at the end of the day, to to your point, there is no doubt in my mind that the 49ers look worse than the Chiefs look. Yeah, I mean they they legitimately have looked have looked bad, but they're still going to be favored in the Super Bowl as they should because of their body. Like they they are a better team across the board than the Kansas City Chiefs. As for like we're talking about Lamar Jackson and, and, and the quarterback play. And I know I get labeled as a Brock Purdy hater, and I lean into it a little bit. And I know he made a couple of nice plays on his legs down the line, but Brock Purdy played bad yesterday, guys. Legitimately bad. He played bad, Tom. Played bad. Okay. He had the exact. Okay. You He's mean? playing in here's, the Super Bowl. The Last time I checked, your guy is playing in the Super <laughs> You're right. Bowl. That's You're all right. I know. Here's the thing I don't get about. But the Brock I mean, Purdy you know, stuff. he's bad. Twenty of thirty-one. 267 yards, he is the brought ex- his team back from a 24-7 deficit at half. Shit, he, he stunk to join up. He has I agree. Ex- he ran yep. for uh, 50, 50 yards. yards. <laughs> I mean, he stunk it up. You're right. All right. He was bad. Brock there Purdy. you go. Back to those stats again. 
You well, get you wrapped up all your numbers. You just said the stats. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, you're getting wrapped up based on what his final stats were. You <laughs> just said the threw stats. Threw a pick, had a he touchdown. Threw it out there. No, because you said he was bad. He was. Those stats aren't bad. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What they are are winning stats. That's what they are. They're winning stats. He played the exact same game as as Lamar Jackson statistically. And this is the thing about Brock Purdy that I don't understand. Wait a minute, time. Let me interrupt you a second. Did you just say he played the exact same game? Statistically. One team had 34 points. The other had 10. And the Niners did not score a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. Okay. I mean, are you kidding me? You're comparing him to Lamar Jackson? (laughs) They scored 10 points. Let me. Thank you, I, Tom. Did you, did you hear this? Thank you, Tom. Did you hear this? Dude, you have just gone south on Purdy, and here the guy has lost like seven games okay. in his career. He's the last dude taken in the draft. Yeah. Every time he turns Smuggle around, he's face. beating the guy who was a number one pick in the draft or a first round pick in the draft. Right. That's all he does. Truly unlikable person, Brock Purdy. Smug face when he gets up there on the stands. Stop He's the it. villain of the NFL. Here's the, here's, Here, well, the good, sentence I good. said. Oh my let God. Me, let, me, let me get all my points you out. You said here. he played bad. That's he how did. this whole thing started. Correct. His team I was down it. 24 to 7. They scored 27 points in the second half, which is something you talk about Joe Burrow all the time. Joe Burrow's never scored. More than 27 points in a playoff game. Or if he has, maybe it's one time. He did one this time guy there. did it in a half. Yeah. And you're telling me he played bad, yet he's playing in two weeks in Las Vegas when Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and all these other great quarterbacks are sitting at home watching the game. See, that's what, that's what frustrates me about this whole Brock Birdie debate. The whole thing. First off, the sentence I said was, is that Brock Purdy played the same game statistically as Lamar Jackson. The first Jackson. line you said, you was, said was he played bad. And yeah, I'll get to that's that. What that's what you said. And I'll get to that because he did play bad. I'll get to that. The, the one sentence that you started arguing me about was that I said he had the same statistical game as Lamar Jackson. Both completed 20 passes. Both had threw for 270 yards. A touchdown, interception. Both ran for 50 yards. Almost the exact same game statistically. But here's the thing about Brock Purdy and the reason I bring up the stats. Because I'm with you, Tom. He won the game. They scored 27 points in the second half. All of that. I'm with you. But every time that we talk about Brock Purdy as a quarterback, I'll say something along the lines of like, man, I watch him and he's missing throws all the time. And he's overthrowing guys. He just doesn't look very good. And people go, yeah, but he's throwing for 34 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. And he leads the league in pass per, pass per attempt or yards per attempt, all that stuff. So it's like, all right, well, when the stats don't reflect it, like I showed yesterday, because he had the same statistical game as Lamar Jackson, you go, well, look at the eye test, guy. Look at what Brock Purdy did. He looked way better than Lamar Jackson in the second half. And I'm like, I, the eye he test did. isn't there at all. He's <sighs> missing passes left and right. Brother, Your on. good friend Sean I'm, Spurlock and go. mine just pointed out, here we go. just for the record, Brock Purdy had an 88 quarterback rating yesterday, higher than Joe Burrow has ever had in a playoff game. <laughs> Just a and this is and this is Just why I hate again though those Your are the stats though checked. those this are the stats. Is, well, this is why I get so frustrated is that I have to keep get on this show. I have to get on X.com. I have to do all this stuff, and people put Brock Purdy in the same camp as those guys that we've alluded to earlier, the Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's the Josh put him. Allen's, nobody Lamar has Jackson's. put him. Nobody. Nobody alive. 
I have not read one person on the planet, and maybe you're reading X, I don't know, where there are legitimate lunatics at every turn. There is not one person alive, as Brock Purdy is not even a full two-year starter in the NFL, that has ever said that he is in the same category if you're going tier one, tier two, whatever tier you want to go to, down to tier drops, never winning the big game. Nobody has ever said that Brock Purdy is Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Nobody's ever said that. He's some dude who was the last pick taken in the draft out of Iowa State that every playoff game he has ever started and finished, he has never lost. No one in this room has ever said anything other than maybe that he's a top 10 quarterback, that he's comparable to... Jared Goff, who he beat one on one, by the way, and I'm just well, I rewatched some of these highlights because you're saying how bad he extended uh, he, some he plays. He extended some he, plays, he, he, but when he throws he the ball, he misses clutch guys. Play. No, misses I just watched guys. him throw a touchdown to Ayuk in the between two to defenders. Ayuk. The Ayuk touchdown was a nice. throw. That's a nice throw. That's great. And what did Lamar do? He threw it into triple coverage. There's a difference. In the end zone. In the end zone. There's a complete difference between the two quarterback plays. I mean, of anything that you could possibly ask for a quarterback in the postseason. I just want them to play better than Brock Purdy's play. Here's all I'm saying. If you want to talk about Joe Burrow, and we'll take Patrick Mahomes, and we're separating him from everybody else from now on. I never want to hear again anybody on the show ever put any other quarterback in the same category as Patrick Mahomes. Thank you, Tom. Never. Thank you. All right, but if we're going to talk about all the other guys that you want to say are elite, and part of being elite is, is winning when it matters and, and, and what you have to do to win. Okay, so you can say, okay, Purdy, he had the bad game against Baltimore. Granted, but we said at the time, everybody's going to have the bad game. Joey Votto went 0 for 4 and struck out four times. Guys have done, I mean, everybody's had them, except for probably LeBron. I don't know if that guy's ever had a bad game. But, and I'm being facetious, but it seems like it. But everybody's going to have that game, and it's a regular season game. I mean, who cares? They got the number one seed. Anything you could ask a quarterback to do at nut-cutting time, Brock Purdy has answered the bell. He's never lost a playoff game in two years since taking over as a starter where he started and finished the game. He's not lost. Here this year, everybody said, eh, you know, stats, eh, yeah, they're great, but. Oh, but then it always comes down to, oh, well, you know, the field goal kicker Green Bay choked. Oh, well, you know, Dan Campbell made bad decisions. Blame whatever you want. Whatever you have asked of a starting quarterback to do in the playoffs in a very short amount of time, Purdy has answered the bell. Back-to-back, come-from-behind, fourth-quarter mm-hmm. wins mm-hmm. and leading your team to a Super Bowl. And were it not for blowing his elbow out last year, we might be talking about a guy and talking about somebody doing what Patrick Mahomes never did, what Joe Burrow hadn't done. Take your team to a Super Bowl in your first two years in the league. First two years as a starter, if Purdy doesn't blow his elbow last year. That's pretty good. That's pretty doggone good. And yet you said he played 
bad. I watched him. He did not play well. No, you didn't I, say he didn't play well. You he said he played he bad. Had a, he had a 60-yard he, he, he had a 60-yard pass to Ayuk. That bounced he, off a defender's yes, face mask. Yes, it did. Mask. It bounced off his face mask, who was five yards in front of Ayuk. So, I, I, again, I, I, I'm that, not going to sit here and, and, and make play. fun of Brock Purdy for winning a game because he is in a Super Bowl again so or for the first time, but he, he got to the NFC Championship again. I, Brock Purdy is a, is a very, very serviceable quarterback, and the 49ers are lucky to have found him. But if you if you're if the story of that game yesterday was Brock Purdy, I have a hard right. time believing anybody watched that game because that story it was not Br- the Brock Purdy show yesterday. How is it not? What do you How mean? Is it he had it over 300 the, yards yesterday, guys. He was the majority of their offense. What are we talking about? What are we talking he about? He made all the right yards. throws that you got him in position to get all the points that they needed. If it's 290, what I'll do you give you want from a You just made the comment a second ago, Elliot, which was, which was right, accurate. Though. You made the comment a minute he's ago right, about when a first down had to be made. Right? About Mahomes. About Mahomes. Okay? Even though he was shut out, again to repeat, in the second half. Here we're having a conversation about one quarterback who led his team to a win that did not score a point in the second half. And all we're doing is praise and praise and praise and praise. And he's got a track record. He's earned it. Okay. But yet this other guy, his team's down 24 to 7. They scored 27 points in the second half. Every time they needed to make a play, he made the play. Every time they needed it. And outside of really, it was one miracle play that you could say, okay, Lady Luck's on their side. But outside of that, he needed to make a pass on the sideline, boom. Needed to find Kittle down the middle, boom. He needed to swing it out in the flat to McCaffrey, boom. He had to escape trouble, pass rush, and take off with his feet to keep drives alive, which ultimately led to 27 second-half points. When it mattered, he didn't turn it over. He turned it over early. But when it mattered the most, he made every single play. And all we're talking about is Dan Campbell. We haven't even started talking about Dan Campbell on this show. Yeah, we haven't talked about him at all. (laughs) But I'm saying it's all everybody else is talking about is Dan Campbell. So why don't we shift gears to Dan Campbell? Let's have fun. (laughs) So let's talk about Dan Campbell. Now, look, everybody knows this is what he has been doing all year long. And it's one of the real appeals. You know, some of the comments that were made, and they, they showed them during the telecast yesterday, where, um, you know, some of the quotes from some of the players on the Lions team talking about this guy's the greatest, excuse me, the greatest leader I've ever been around in my life. I mean, those were some of the quotes by players that have been around the league for a while and have played for different head coaches and the things they say about Dan Campbell. I mean, he is a man's man, tough guy, blah, blah, blah. It's weird because it's almost like you've got this caveman-like guy who is in bed with analytics, which is sort of weird in a way. You know, normally it's these 30-something-year-old head coaches, the Mike McDaniels and the, the Staley's and, you know, all these guys who are all in the analytics camp, the younger crowd, generally that's the case in, in both baseball and football. But here you've got this mm, Ditka-like guy who's all in on the analytics, And this season on fourth down, they succeeded at 70% of the time when the league average in the similar situations, fourth and fill in the blank, was right around 50%. So they had an uncanny ability this year to succeed on fourth downs. 
Campbell was asked yesterday about twice going for it on fourth down, deep in 49er territory, when he could have kicked field goals. Now, one of them would have been a very long field goal, and they've got a journeyman kicker in Badgley who, you know, he's not been very good. But the percentages were higher of them making the field goal than they were necessarily, or they, they were pretty close to converting on the fourth down. Well, both times they decided to go on fourth, and they come up empty. Now, should he have coached differently in this game than you do in the regular season? Or, as he said afterwards, he doesn't regret either decision. He said that's what they've been doing all year long, and that's what they did yesterday, and the breaks didn't come their way. Should he have kicked field goals yesterday? It's easy to say it in hindsight, but I think a lot of people were saying it at the time. Elliot, you were pretty upset about it. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's not. I think it's nonsensical. I think it's. I think it's an absolute unserious. Mr. Moe in the chat calling us unserious. Uh, there's nothing more unserious than not 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 kicking not kicking the field goal once. Fine, that's what you've done all year. Not kicking the field goal the second time to tie the football right. game, the biggest game in your franchise's history. Preposterous. It's absolutely sickening. To be quite honest, and and I keep seeing that uh, Bagley's kicks, his percentage from from forty yards out, it's only seventy seven percent. Do you think that's an issue you might have wanted wanted to resolve before the playoffs? Maybe get a kicker that can kick. Maybe that's maybe that's the bigger story here that they w- went with a kicker that makes sixty percent of his field goals. That's an issue, and if that's if that's what you're going to go with, then that's a terrible excuse. Because there are kickers that are that are free agents that I know can that can kick higher than a seventy-seven percent percentage from forty yards out. I get that Dan Campbell's done it all year, but when I saw what he did against the Cowboys when he went for two on the nine-yard line, I thought that that was maybe you know that was maybe a spur of the moment thing. Maybe he was frustrated with what has happened. They kind of got screwed uh, the the play before with the refs, but that's who he is. That's who Dan Campbell is. He's not going to change it. Yep. And, and, and I watched the entire press conference of him last night. I'll give him this. That, that is a human being who cares. That guy cares about what he does. That's a guy who cares about his locker room, cares about the city of Detroit. I, I, I'm not going to sit up here and bash Dan Campbell for being a, for being a bad person because he's a great human being, a phenomenal human being. But you can't, seriously, can, you can't seriously think, rationally think, that not kicking those field goals twice is the right move. Analytics? You, have, you are a field goal away from tying the game. Kick the field goal. Kick it. And then the, the other thing was the, the misuse of timeouts, which I don't know how anybody defends that. Right. The, on, the, on, the timeout thing was actually the worst decision they have, made. They have three timeouts under two minutes. They, they, you need them to stay in the game. You need them. You throw the ball the, the first two times on the goal line. Yep. Incomplete. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna organize a run play. On third Let's down. get a run play on third down when we need all of our timeouts inexcusable decision it's inexcusable and if you come away from that game thinking oh well because uh what's his name had a couple of drops that's okay it's not dan's fault it is dan's fault you can you can like dan campbell and simultaneously say he coached them out of that game he coached them out of the football game that is a fact if dan campbell decides to kick one of those field goals it's a different story yeah i thought out of the out of the two times that he went for it, I thought the first one was the most egregious out of all of them. 
because they went out, 49ers went out at the beginning of the, the first half. They kicked a field goal to make it 24 to 10. Means they are up by 14. That's a two possession game. The Lions go down 47 yards on eight plays. If they just kick a field goal there, it is a three possession game regardless of what the 49ers do. Even if they convert to two point conversions, just keep it at a three possession game at that point. Because then it, it, get, it got down to if they get those three points, if everything else stayed the same, it was a 34-34 ball game with 50 seconds left for the 49ers to maybe make a, a last-ditch effort to go down the field and kick a field goal or, or score again. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, with you, Elliot. I think they were terrible decisions by Dan Campbell. I thought the first one was egregious. I think the second one I can kind of understand just because you're trying to get back into the ball game. You have a massive advantage if you do get the conversion there and you, you score a touchdown. And um, I think things would play out differently, too, if they would have just converted there. But um, well, there's yeah, been the, I mean, the it, it just – go ahead. Go well, ahead. the biggest one, I, you think that the, the one to tie it was a bigger – was a worse yeah. decision than the one to – I think, I think you, you just keep – you keep that team as far away as possible. I did yeah. the first time. And actually, there was four decisions that he made. Um, we don't talk about the one before the, before the half. But they had a chance to either go for the touchdown or kick the field goal. They opt to kick the field goal there. So out of four opportunities um, to score, that, yeah. they, they got ten total points because they got the seven at the end of the game and, too. And, but but the thing is, is I'm, I, I think it's a way worse decision to not kick the field goal to go up three scores than it is to not tie up the game. Because like I said, once that they didn't, once they didn't get it to go up three scores, the momentum, which was already teetering towards going to the 49ers, it was firmly, the wind was firmly behind the sails of the 49ers at that point. You just, you kick the field yeah. goal, you go up 17 points, you keep them at arm's, arm's length away from you, you just keep pushing them back, keep, making the, keep extending the game as long as you can because there's only so much clock. But instead he was, he was going for the jugular. And, 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 and I'm, I'm with you. you. You brought up a good point, and a lot of people brought this up. You can't. In some essence, this is how the Lions have played the game all season long. If you recall, when they played the Rams, they could have handed the ball off four times in a row, three times in a row, yep. made the Rams use all of their timeouts, and uh, they'd give them back the ball with about 45 seconds. They decided, hey, we're going to go win the game. Yep. We're going to go win the game. We're going to snap it to Jared Goff, and it worked. Right? They get a couple, they get the first down. Jared Goff makes a nice throw. So, like, doing the aggressive thing is in the DNA of the Detroit Lions. Now, I would argue if you're Dan Campbell, you got to look at the way that your team is playing. And wide receivers are dropping passes. Your Jimmy running Gibbs. backs, your running backs are fumbling balls. Your defense, all of a sudden, which has been a stoop for a half, has given up big chunk plays to a terrible quarterback and Brock Purdy. <laughs> All of these things, you've got to read the room and go, all right, let's just do what's best at the current moment. Let's go up three scores. Let's just do what's best. Let's tie the game and extend the game. But no, he goes for it. Well, and you made the point, and I didn't even think about this. If you're going to say, well, Dan's done it all year, we believe in Danalytics, Dan kicked a field goal on the two-yard line when they could have scored a touchdown right before right. the half. I didn't even think about that. But now we're going to – and that was to but go the up – the decision was to go up three scores. Three scores. Yeah. But then you have the same decision again in the second half. Nah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. We're Detroit. We bite your kneecap off. 
It, it's nonsense. That's an unserious coach. And we there's been a lot of Bengals strays in this room throughout the course of this one hour in this show. <laughs> Could you imagine? And I'm and honest to God, I'm trying to imagine what this city would have done had Zach Taylor been the coach of that game. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine, Tom, what we would be talking about in here? Zach no Taylor going for two, going, or, or going for it on fourth down every play, not kicking field goals and losing that game like that, running the ball on third and short when you need all three timeouts. Could you imagine what Zach yeah. – Zach Taylor would have been, would have been sent out in, in, time, in, in, the, in downtown Cincinnati, and the whole city would have thrown eggs at him. No doubt about it. That's what would have happened. Now, Zach I wonder Taylor. if that's going on in Detroit today. I sincerely – I mean that because when you think about fan bases, they're, they're, they're similar – in the fact that neither franchise has ever won a Super Bowl. I mean, the Bengals have been to them where the Lions have not. Bengals have been to three. Um, the Lions have never been there. But I, I wonder if, if and, and I guess you'd have to ask this question, um, and we'll ask somebody about it in Detroit. I'll call Spielman later. I'll ask him about it. You know, what's kind of the reaction in that town today? Um, if we were to turn back the clock three years ago, to the first time the Bengals make the big run, right, in a long time. Yep. Burrow's second year in the league, and they make the Super Bowl. It's only Zach Taylor's second year as a head coach at the time, right? Right. Okay. Third, third year. Or third year, forgive yeah. me. He was there the year before Burrow got there. Correct. And then one year he gets hurt, and then, okay, the next year the Super Bowl. Would, would the town still be celebrating under your scenario, which you just pointed out, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, the, and the Bengals get to their first AFC championship game since, what, 1988, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, all of a sudden, Zach makes these decisions, just like K Campbell did yesterday. Are you celebrating Zach Taylor in Cincinnati? I'm not saying the Zach Taylor today, but for the first time in a long time, Detroit, for the first time in 31 years, makes it to an NFC championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Okay? Their coach has the big 24-7 lead. Let's pretend that's Zach Taylor. Then all of a sudden, Zach Taylor decides to start going for these fourth downs. The game gets away, and they lose. Are they mad at Dan Campbell today in Detroit? If you're a Lions fan, the kind of year you've had, you should be frustrated. You should be it, 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 right. It, not it, like it, lose, he's not like losing his job or anything. No, like no, that, no, no. But, but like, certainly, you are. This is gut wrenching. If is it's what it is. if it's ten to seven, if it's seventeen to seven at the half, and you blow a ten point lead to the to the best team in the NFC, nobody's upset. You blew a 24-7 lead, and you wasted six points. You just burned them. You, you didn't want them. You can be frustrated with that. Would Bengals fans have been mad if they lost like that? Absolutely. There would have been chaos on the streets. There would have been riots. So, yeah, I, I think, and again, if it was a close game, if they were losing, whatever, then they can all go home and they sing Kumbaya and say, what a great season for us. Dan Campbell, he bit everybody's kneecap off up until the point where it mattered. But last night, again, 24 to 7 and you burned six points you burned them to the ground and you lost it and you choked it away the 49ers you could have made the argument they could have won by 17 in the second half they could have finished that game up 17 that's how bad the lions played in that second half well i mean you go back and you look at there and i was just looking a second ago but i'm mean, just kind of reconfirming again because everybody's talking about the fourth down stuff right i mean you just start looking at their drives in the second half they go up 24 to 7 with that field goal at the end. Okay, yep. they go eight plays a total of 47 yards. So they're averaging six yards a play. They got it going. That's when they go at the San Francisco 28. They go on a fourth and two and they don't get it. Nonsense. Right? And Reynolds is dropping passes, by the way, all over the place. That's true. I mean, mm -hmm. in fairness, 
that fourth down should have been converted, and we're talking about if that one play alone, the kid dropped two passes in the game. They dropped if, like five passes in the second if half. If he catches that one on fourth and two at the Niners' 28, they're getting points somewhere in there. Right. And, they're, and, they, and they were already ahead at that point 24 to 10. Okay, so then the Niners get the ball back. They go down the field. That's when they hit Ayuk with a 51-yard bomb, right? And they make it 24 to 17. Next play, bam, Gibbs fumble. Okay? Here comes Brock Purdy, right? Runs for 21 yards. Uh, McCaffrey, easy score from the one-yard line. Touchdown, tie game. Three and out, one yard. The Lions offense. Three and out, one yard. Goff, incomplete to Laporta. Goff, incomplete to Reynolds. Punt. Here come the 49ers. Get the football back. Down the field they go. Right? That was Laporta dropped a pass. Too. Field goal. Yeah, field goal. They march right down the field to take the lead. They get it back again. They have it for six plays. And then that's where they go for it again on fourth down. And golf missed a lot of passes yesterday. That was a guy who, in nut cutting time, missed some open players. Golf, I, I made a joke, even in the first half when they're slinging it all over the field and, you know, moving the ball very well. Every single pass that golf threw had a little wobble to yeah. it. it. It honestly was incredibly similar to watching like Peyton Manning back in back in his years with the Broncos, the the final few years in the Broncos. Every pass had a little wobble to it, and they would be like, "Man, what a great pass!" And they showed the replay, and it looked it was just mm-hmm. like I was like, "This guy was a first overall pick, and he, and he he doesn't have the arm strength to throw it 12 yards downfield. Like, what the heck's going on here?" But you know, Jared Goff is is exactly what we think he is, right? As a quarterback, like there's there's some quarterbacks that that we overinflate. There's some that we that we don't give enough credit to. Jared Goff is exactly what we think he is as a quarterback, right? Like he's he's good enough to get you to an NFC Championship Super Bowl. He's done both, right? He's, he's taken the Rams to the Super Bowl. He's taken the Lions to an NFC Championship game, a game that they probably should have won. But like he's never going to raise your ceiling to where you're like, all right, we can be a best team in the league behind Jared Goff kind of thing. So I mean, yeah, he he missed some passes. There's no doubt about that. But I think. It, they were just dropping passes all over the place in that second half. The Lions were. It was uh, – Trace sent a text in our group chat that we have, and he said uh, all the 49ers need to do is is score and little put a little pressure on the Lions, and they'll start to fold. And I was like, man, after that first half, they dominated the 49ers in that first half, and you think they're just going to fold like that? Dan Campbell's team's just going to start you – know, you know, the – Start puckering, right? <laughs> right then, they're nut cutting time, and they absolutely did. They leaned on them just a little bit, and the Lions couldn't couldn't hold up to the pressure till they were behind. And then they're like, "All right, we got to do something now." Jared Goff, I'll tell you what, he's the best quarterback in the world when he has a good roster and a lead. That's what I can say about Jared Goff. That's all I can say. I, I think he's a decent quarterback, but I again, I, I just he, he's he's meh. He's 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 a top fifteen quarterback. He's good enough. Um, but I don't. Again, I don't trust him when I need a touchdown. The if you want me to say something nice about the 49ers quarterback, that smug, pompous little Brock Purdy. Yeah. Um, it, it's this going into this postseason. Tom, you alluded to this. The story, the book out on the 49ers was is they can't play from behind. 
right? Yep. Whether it was Brock Purdy doesn't have it in him to to come from behind and win the game, or if it was some some people talked about Kyle Shanahan because in Kyle Shanahan's well, of career. Course. Hasn't hasn't come from behind, and people are like, "Is he sticking to his play sheet? Is he not good enough improviser as a as a play caller to when you're behind? You got to go. All right, we got to make some things happen. Is he not good enough to do that in back-to-back games? Again, against inferior opponents, but in back-to-back games, they have come from behind, and that that certainly is trending in the right direction when you head into the Super Bowl. So that's one thing I will say nice about that pompous, smug little Brock Purdy. Is that <laughs> is that he's played from behind and won two games from behind his last two games. Tell you what, you got to give it up to Debo Samuel. Dude's an animal. The guy's an animal, man. I mean, those are the kind of guys, if you're going to be a Super Bowl or appearing team or a Super Bowl winning team, and, and look, there are a lot of those guys around the league. I'm not sitting here singling him out like he, he, there aren't other players that do the same thing he did. But that dude was hurt, injured last week. He wasn't hurt. He was injured. And, I mean, to show up and go for almost 90 yards, he didn't score a touchdown. That's a gamer. Yeah, and they're only going to have another couple weeks to recover. And but that's a good thing for them. Yeah. I think even more so than – although, you know, in fairness to the Chiefs, I mean, they had a couple of very key parts of their team. Gay did not play, right? And they had their starting guard, who's an all-pro yeah. player, did not play. Tooney. Against the you know one of the top two, three defenses in the league in Baltimore. So, you know, they had their share of guys that were knocked out too. But they found a way to get it done. Yeah. I would say that this this is something that uh, was nagging at me since we brought it up earlier on in the show. You said that you would rather – you think that the Chiefs are, are really, really good right now. They, they play great. The Chiefs right? have, have played much better in this postseason than the 49ers have. Yes. I would – would you rather have a team that can only score 17 in one half, the first half at that, or would you rather have a team that completely dominates in the second half in the 49ers? I think I'd rather have the latter. When it matters most, I want my team to be playing their best football down at the end of the game. Are you insinuating that the Chiefs aren't, aren't playing good? their best football at the second half? Yeah, I am insinuating that. Are you insinuating that, that the Chiefs can't, can't win the games late? He didn't say that. I didn't say that. He, I just he said asked that based on what actually happened yesterday. Would I rather play the game that the 49ers played or the game that the Chiefs played? Uh, I'm, maybe I'll take the 49ers because the momentum thing, right? You, you, you got such a big swing of momentum, something you can build off of. All I'm saying is, is, that, is that the Chiefs, so far in this playoff run, have played great in the first half and have struggled in the second half. Here, here, are the, Chiefs, here are the, the Kansas played, City offensive. The here are the Ca- Kansas City offensive than the drives yesterday. In the second half, three plays, seven yards, punt. Eight plays, twenty-three yards, punt. Three plays, four yards, punt. Seven plays, thirty yards, punt. Three plays, seven yards, punt. End of game. They did not have 60 yards of offense in the entire second half and only had two of their six drives that did not end in a three and out. So, I mean, look, they're the Chiefs and it's Patrick Mahomes. But he, he was not some world beater yesterday by any stretch of the imagination. 
he was be he was playing one of the best teams. So I mean, he wasn't even getting that that run you're talking about. Like kept picking up the first down. That wasn't even happening in the second half. They could not get out of their own way in the second half. Yeah, they, on offense, they had a big lead, and they're playing. One they had of the a best. ten point lead. They had they they with their defense that is a big lead. Um, they were playing one of the best teams that we have ever seen play a season in the Baltimore Ravens, as we well established. The the Ravens have beat eleven teams with a winning record, and most of them by like fourteen, like an average of fourteen points. Like if the yep. if the Ravens if the Ravens would have, and I'm I'm putting a big asterisk here. If the Ravens would have won the Super Bowl, we'd be talking about this Ravens team as one of the greatest teams of all time. Like we truly would be. I'm not, I'm, I, that's not hyperbole. If they would have beaten the Chiefs, they would have beaten the 49ers. We'd be talking about this Ravens team like they're one of the greatest teams ever based off what they did. Obviously, they didn't do that. This Ravens team is, uh, was fantastic. They're number one defense in the league, top three offense in the league, all that good stuff. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you guys are, are, are trying to ask me. Are, are we talking about which team has played better in the postseason? Because it's clearly been the Chiefs. The Chiefs have played much tougher teams. Well, by far, much tougher teams. Much, for sure. much like, but yeah, not even yeah, close. Not the, even close. The Bills, the Bills, and the Ravens yeah. are are infinitely better than the Packers and Lions. Yeah, and they won both those games on the road. On the road, decently handedly, right? Like, like, well, I guess not the not the Bills game. That well, was they, scored, they, they scored fourteen points in the second half. Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you guys are insinuating. What you guys are trying to ask me about? Would you like, rather? I'd rather, would, I'd rather be going into this game playing the way that the Chiefs have played over the past few games than the 49ers. Yeah, that's all I was asking. Okay. And I, I would disagree with that because of how the 49ers have played, been able to come back when they're down and certainly and just completely roll with momentum. Well, they've had they, they, they get momentum. different types of postseasons, both of them. Right. I mean, everything's true that you just said about the road and better competition. They've had to do it in 180 difference. Yeah. I mean, both games, Chiefs got up, stayed with the lead, held on. Both games, 49ers got behind, had to rally in the fourth to win it at home. So, against lesser competition. But, I mean, look, they, 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 you know, For anybody to sit here and say that, 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 that there is a distinct difference in that the Chiefs have played significantly better in the postseason. I think their defense has played significantly better in the postseason. The 49ers have been outplayed in both games they played. Well, that all depends on how you look at it. I think they got outplayed for a half and they won the second half. I mean, they didn't get outplayed in the whole game. All you got to do is go back and look what the Lions did on offense in the second half. Okay, well, they certainly got outplayed by the Packers. If you went, if you go back and watch that game, they got outplayed for the, for the majority of that game. Well, okay, but at the end of the day, who cares? All I'm saying is, is that the the difference with these two teams in the way that they played in the postseason, you cannot say that the Chiefs have been a better offensive team than the than the, than the, than the 49ers have been in the postseason because their point totals are night and day. Right. I mean, totally night and day. One right. scoring 30 every game and the other scoring 17. But the difference is the defense. I don't think the 49ers' defense is all that great at all. I really don't. I think they got a lot of stars, but yeah, I'm not sure to show that's a great defense. By the way, your boy, your boy Chase Young, what was, that, what was that effort on that Jameer Gibbs I was touchdown? Tough. That was a tough one. Have you one. seen that, Tom? Did no. You, <laughs> Casey, see if you can pull up that, bring up that Jamar, Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs 
touchdown. I mean, Chase. If you type Young, in Chase Young, it'll come up. Chase Young is is arm arms length away from Jameer Gibbs for like five yards and just doesn't even try to tackle. Oh, him. I know what you're talking about. He yeah. ended up trailing him. He ran yeah, right, right by him. Yeah, yeah. he just like yeah. didn't even try. That was. That was I saw that a few times yesterday from players around the league. I thought Bosa did it one time. Yeah, where he could have laid out to try and make a play. I think. You, you say that you don't think the 49ers defense is all – the 49ers defense is very good. It was it was very surprising to see the way that they got bullied in that first half in all seriousness. And, and I talked up the Detroit Lions all last week. Casey finally beat that into my brain, is that this Detroit Lions team, I think that there are – I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I don't think this is some story about how the, the plucky team from Detroit coached by, by Dan Gamble is uh, – but uh, Dan Campbell is uh, is some luck team. No, this is a very good roster. But yeah, watch this play from from Chase Young. He's down at the bottom of the screen, number ninety-two. You'll see him. Whoop. Yeah. Whoop. Uh, 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 Chase. Oh. I mean, I would argue it wasn't just Chase either. Who? Who's ninety-nine? What is he doing? I don't know. Tell you what, Ryan Day wouldn't have let that wouldn't have let that go on in in Ohio State. Well, it would have been Urban. Was it? When was Ryan Day's first year? Chase Young was drafted four years, in 2020. About four years ago. He came there under Urban. I know that. Okay. okay. Ooh, well, Urban certainly would have let that happen. Mm. Mm. All right. I, I will say this. Casey made the point, you know, who would you rather have in the second half? Here's the thing about being good at comebacks. You're always down. Right. So, I, I, I again, that's that doesn't happen. That doesn't fly when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. I dare, unless you're the Bengals. I dare yeah, you. Unless well, you're yeah, Bengals. unless you're the Bengals. <laughs> I dare you. I dare, that was a good Bengals month. Nice. Boom. No strays over here. No stray on this side of the room. But, I, listen, I, I think I think the Chiefs are a different beast. I think if you're going to go down 24-7 to 7 or whatever the hell the score was against the Packers – um, it's going to be a different ball game. The Chiefs don't have to convert first downs because they can play with a lead. They have the world's best defense, and to be quite honest, if it's the Chiefs' defense against Brock Purdy, I know who I'm going to take. So let's go, Chiefs. Can't argue with that. Cannot also, argue I, what with do that. you think? What, if, you had to, if, you had to, if you had to calculate or if you had to say what was the most improbable play yesterday, the Lamar throw and catch to himself <laughs> or – or, would you say that the uh, Ayuk catch, where again Purdy launched it downfield, overthrew his receiver by the 15 yards, launched, hit a hit a line in the face, and then Ayuk catches the ball? Which one of those two were more improbable? Because I, I, both of them were in, absolutely incredible, and that's why uh, conference championship Sunday is the best in the NFL. But if I would answer my own question, the the Lamar catch to himself was great. That was that made my day. It was the fact that he scampered off for like another ten yards <laughs> after catching it that that made that play the most improbable thing. I think. I mean, <laughs> most quarterbacks when they catch it, they like or some of them they just like throw it back yeah. down the ground. Lyman will throw it back down the ground. They can't catch it. Lamar he just catches it and literally scampers off for a first down plus, and it's just like. <laughs> How do you even stop that? He should just keep doing that to himself. How do you score that play? Lamar Jackson completes a pass yeah. to Lamar Jackson yeah. for 13 yards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's incredible. That's awesome. I got to tell you, though, the IU thing, I mean, if you just look at, 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 what do they call it, degree of difficulty, the ball was batted right up in the air. Lamar just ran forward, and the ball falls right That's into right. his hand. That's true. I mean, I, I, I'm not taking anything away from it. It was an incredible play. Right. But if you're talking about degree of difficulty, the IU catch, I mean, him and this guy are all tangled up. He's actually behind the guy. 
It hits a guy in the face mask. Ayuk is falling onto the ground and catches a ball out of midair. Yeah. That degree of difficulty is about a 10. It, yeah. was, it was a great effort by Ayuk. It really was. It's great concentration. Right. I mean, I don't know if any of that, it, it comes down to effort. The focus is mind-boggling for some of these guys and the things that they do. I just can't believe it, some of the plays these players make. They, they are extraordinary athletes. They're extraordinary human beings. Right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make them better than everybody else just because they're an athlete. I mean, treat some, people treat them like they're better than other people. They're no different at the end of the day, except for their ability on that kind of venue to do some of the things athletically and physically that all of us couldn't even dream about doing. It's yeah. mind-boggling. I feel terrible for the, uh, you know, well, you know, let me ask you this. Let's take a break. I want to okay. ask you this question. Do you feel bad for, for Zay Flowers? No. I want you to what, no. hold the answer. Hold the answer. Because if he didn't taunt a guy three plays before, there would have to be a part of you, if you have any compassion whatsoever, that here this guy's trying to dive into the end zone and tie the game on a touchdown and has the ball knocked out. There has to be some sliver of compassion to feel bad for the kid. But did what happened three or four plays before kind of make you say when it happened, oh, there's karma. There you go. I know what you're thinking, Casey. I can tell by looking at you. All right, Casey, let's go. Ad time. Yeah, these are our ads, uh, the ad break, the Encore um, Technologies uh, Bengals Report. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency. And. Productivity. Yes, it's productivity. Great, this is a great Bengals report with all the Bengals strays. Yep, yep. Uh, actually, it'll be a Bearcat report coming up because I'm sure we're going to talk Bearcats here soon. But, anyways. Encore.tech, the path of innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. Um, let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here, Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I water.com see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, swish it down with some Pawnee water, and get your technology solutions from Encore. And uh, don't forget to uh, hit that like button if you're liking the show. Uh, subscribe. Um, share the show. Uh, become a member if you want to. Yeah. We, we have lots of stuff for our members. Um, have anything else, Reed? What? No. Um, so we'll put out our Chatterbox bets later We in our first week under the helm. 12 and 6. How about that? 12 and 6. Aha! Um, yeah. As Casey said, subscribe, like the stream, follow us on Twitter. We're close to 10K. I think someone put that in there yeah. earlier. So uh, be sure to do that. We'll have box lunch after today's show. When do the Bearcats play next? Uh, Bearcats play Wednesday. Wednesday. The... So they'll have the Bearcats show on Wednesday. We'll have box lunch on Wednesday. I'm sure Kirby will, will keep you posted on some Chatterbox Red stuff when that becomes pertinent. I believe I'm going to play Trace and Tennis next Monday, so we'll see you then. If Ooh, you want to do that, again, you have to, you have to be a, uh, a member to see that ass-kicking that I'm going to uh, put on Trace, but please subscribe. Uh, also, do you think uh, Brock Purdy's 88 QBR uh, yesterday means he's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow will ever be? 
Well, that, that's, that's, what that, Sean, is, that's what Sean's saying. This is what's that's what funny. Sean's saying, and Sean's team can't win a playoff game to save their life. <laughs> here's the here's the thing about the Brock Purdy stuff is I wouldn't get so passionate trying to tear down the smug and pompous Brock Purdy with his smug little last last pick in the draft smile. If he wouldn't like, I wouldn't do this if he wasn't compared to the best in the game. Like, if, if people gave him proper consideration to the Jared Goffs, yeah, to the Jared Goffs of the world, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't have to sit here and do this. But sometimes it's his stats are great. Sometimes it's, oh, he made some plays with his legs. I watched the kid, and he's not as good as the best in the game. He's not. He's, certainly, I mean, it's not even worth talking about the Patrick Mahomes stuff, but, like, he's, I watched Josh Allen. He's like, nowhere near that. You guys could talk about how bad Lamar Jackson plays. Lamar Jackson's way better than Brock Purdy. Joe Burrow. All of them. I watched them. And it's not there. So that's why I, I get so passionate about the Brock Purdy stuff. Isn't because I don't think what he's doing is great. Isn't because I don't think that the 49ers are good. It's because you guys want to lump him in with the elites of the game. And he's not that. He's just not that. We're going to keep doing this song and dance as long as the 49ers continue to be good, and that's okay. It actually belittles my opinion that the quarterback is as important as I think it is. Because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you guys could watch Brock Purdy yesterday and say he played good because he didn't play good. Yeah, shout out Yannick Sinner, by the way. Uh, Mouse wants me to give him a shout out. Australian Open champ. Not a lot of Australian Open fans in this room, but I'll tell you what, he put on a hell of a show. Hell of a comeback. Mr. Mo says I hate happiness. It's not true. I just hate Brock Purdy smug and pompous attitude. I, I think I think your worst nightmare is if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. If he beats Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Because yeah. then you have no other choice. Here's my <laughs> stance on Brock Purdy. He is Jared Goff, but mobile. And that's really all it boils down to. I mean, uh, Casey, you, I think you we have, have some that. super chats. I'm going to read those real quick. I don't know. Do we read those yet? No, we have not. I Go ahead. Go ahead. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, Brock Purdy doesn't need to be elite. Says Mark Fetters. He's true. right. He That's didn't true. need to be. They won yesterday because we had a guy we, haven't, a guy we haven't even talked about, and Christian McCaffrey averages five yards a carry. Um, so there's that. Big C. That's right, Mark. He just <laughs> he used his super chat just to respond to Mark's. I respect that. Uh, Sir Boy, 199. Fraud, 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 fraud. And that's because the Ravens are frauds, and that's what he said. And honestly, I, I, I'm starting to believe him. Evans says, go Reds. That's $1.99 wasted. Uh, Big C, $1.99. Mr. 12-0 is him. Another big C shout Mr. out. Mr. 12 and 0. Uh, and we have Justin. Love the show and chat. Four months can only mean one thing: the four horsemen. Show me a forearm. Mm, that's an Arn. That's an Arn Anderson thing, right? I guess. I think that's right. Yeah, it's an Arn Anderson thing. Listen. And Mr. Mo, nut cutter. Mr. Mo, welcome. He joined. He Hell did. yeah! Hell yeah, Mr. Very Mo. Very nice. He's he's gonna watch. He joined just to watch box lunch tonight. Yeah. Today? Today. And hear me talk about Brock Purdy. Here's the thing. When I walked into this to this office today, you know, sure. I showed up a little late, and I walked in here, and someone on the street stopped me and said, hey, aren't you the guy? <laughs> aren't you the guy that is undefeated against the spread, that went undefeated against the spread in the postseason? And I said, no, I'm not that guy, because we still got one more. <laughs> Job's well, not you finished. are so far, though. 12-0 to this point. That's right, Tom. But have you turned that into cold, hard cash? Yes. Nice. Doing, doing well. Doing well. Probably not as well as I should be because I, I bet on some bull junk with these games. But, uh, yeah, 12-0. and 0. 
I think I'm ten and two calling the the winners outright. The only oh, yeah. two the only two that I haven't gotten right were I, I thought the 49ers were going to lose both games. I guess I I guess I am just very slanted against you Brockford. Are. You are. That's okay. <laughs> they should have won. Or the the Lions should have won yesterday. And to be quite honest, it makes me sick that they didn't. But to answer Tom's question before we before we took a break, uh, no, I I feel no I feel no sorrow for for Zay Flowers. Now is that is that because I'm interrupt you before you get into your, your explanation of this? I asked a question before we left for those of you that are maybe just jumping on board. Do you feel badly at all for Zay Flowers? Ooh, he was okay. a young man who caught the pass down at the 10-yard line, uh, got up and started uh, taunting the Ravens or the Chiefs defender, uh, and then three or four plays later, catches a pass. He's racing for the corner of the end zone, dives out with a ball, and just as he's getting ready to break the plane, ball stripped out of his hands. They don't score a touchdown that would have tied the game. So... Do you not feel badly because it's Zay Flowers and what he did on the taunt? Or do you not feel bad for Zay Flowers because he plays a rival of your favorite team? A little bit of both. But okay. I, I think, again, if you believe in karma, I do. Especially if you're a gambler, you definitely believe in karma. Um, <laughs> and, and there is no bigger karma than spinning a football at a guy who you just beat out for what was that, 50 yards? Uh, yeah, and someone... then getting a taunting penalty and then right after that immediately fumbling the football that is karma that's what happens now going back to that i think taunting like that i think that was a pretty innocent taunt there are a lot of worse taunts you could have stepped on him you could have penai uh sooled him not, not penai sooled him uh, uh other lions defensive guy stepped on Aaron Rodgers. and dominican suit that's him uh now if you do that stuff that's terrible you should be out of the league but for spinning a football at somebody while they're on the ground after you beat him for 50 yards i think that's okay to taunt uh saying all that it was karma and, and no I, I feel no sorrow i I think Zay Flowers is a fantastic player. I really do. I think he's going to be a great wide receiver yep. for it. But, no, I don't feel bad. On he compounded not one, not two, but three mistakes in the course of about five minutes. First, he makes a big catch. They're trying to make a comeback on one of the best dynasties that this league's seen in the Kansas City Chiefs. And what does he do? He, he jumps up, gets in the face of, of the secondary, the, the cornerback, spins the ball. Absolutely is a penalty. For anyone that thinks that that's not a penalty, that's, that's absolutely – what taunting is yep. by the very definition, right? That's he did. Right. He did exactly that. Well, it, it was all for naught because he has a chance. And you know, the, the, the one mistake that you can't blame him for is the fumble because he's just trying to score, right? He's just trying to make a play, but he does make the mistake. And how does he compound that mistake? He goes over on the sideline, slams his helmet down. And in that process, cut open his finger. Yep. And now he's limited as a player. They need him on the field. And he made not one, not two, but three mistakes in five minutes. And that's where the, the, the Ravens, and, and I've tried to defend them this entire show, was so uncharacteristic in the way that they unraveled. All the penalties, Zay Flowers acting like that, on the, like doing, making those three mistakes back to back to back, that is so uncharacteristic of a John Harbaugh coach team. Yep. I, I couldn't believe it. And that's what was troubling. That, that's why the Ravens lost yesterday, was all the mental mistakes that they do, that they had. And that's the kind of stuff, I, I don't know. Like yeah. that's, that, w w When you play a team that's had this, the amount of success that the, the Chiefs have had, I mean, this is why here in, in high school and in, in local colleges, when, when you consistently win, right? When you go into Fog Allen Fieldhouse, you're going to play a little tighter on yeah. the road, right? Because you know you've got to be exceptional. To beat the Kansas City, the Kansas City, beat the Kansas Jayhawks in Fog Allen Fieldhawks. When when it comes to beating Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in the postseason, 
you know you got to be exceptional, and you can get frustrated easily, and you just can't do those things. And that's actually something that I don't think the 49ers will do. I don't think the 49ers will get frustrated no. playing the Kansas City Chiefs. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, is about the um, – um, and it's pointed out here in the chat, I agree wholeheartedly. I was getting ready to get to this. You know, having said that, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody in my life that gets away with more taunting and more BS than Kelsey gets away with. Yeah. After plays, shoving guys in the face, you know, always in the middle of in, in somebody's face, jawing all the time. Now, look, I, there is no doubt anybody who's ever spent five minutes down on a, on a football field, even at a high school game, the amount of smack being talked is incredible. I mean, it's going on every play start to finish. But if you really sit there and pay attention after a play is over and you can pick up where Kelsey is, there's always something going on with him. Always. Always. I don't know if you saw this before the game, but he was with – I'm going to send this to Casey real quick. But basically they were, they were getting warmed up, the, the uh, Chiefs and the Ravens, and Justin Tucker had his stuff just yeah. sitting, on the, sitting on the end zone, sitting on the goal line. Right. Uh, and Kelsey decides. That's Mahomes. Uh, what was that? That was Mahomes, I'm pretty sure. No, Kelsey no, throws it. was it. Kelsey. Kelsey throws it. Starts but, picking it up and just throwing it. And he, and he oh. threw Tucker's equipment just out of the way. I think that was – I sent it – I just DM'd it to you. But it's, it, is, it is wild. I think the Chiefs do get away with quite a bit. I'm not a blame the ref guy. But it does seem like every time the Chiefs play, there are certainly calls that are in favor of the Chiefs. All right, it's no, not, I gotta go ahead. Who it's not rigged. Player? It's not. I'm not saying it's rigged or anything yeah, let's, like let's, that. Let's go you, to that. You missed. You missed yeah. then too that Mahomes also did the exact same thing. He was kicking it. He was like doing the same thing that they kept moving his stuff at Mahomes and I guess Kelsey here because why was his I'll, stuff I'll pull up on that the Kansas City Chiefs side of the field? Because he was warming up, you know, doing some stuff and somebody probably didn't pick it up that was supposed to pick it up and it was just sitting there in the end zone and you know instead of just picking it up and moving it, you know, guys are Tuck kicking it and you know, listen, Tucker's yeah, I mean, trying this to use is, it. This is what this is whatever. Like if if I'm if I'm getting ready for a game like a baseball game and some of the opposing team stuff is on the. On the foul line out in left field when I'm getting ready to throw, I ain't gonna treat it well. Like, what are we talking about here? He's kick, he's kicking he's kicking the kicker's football holder. Yeah. What are we? I mean, look at this. Look at this disrespect. Listen, listen. This this isn't even as bad as what Mahomes was doing. I'm gonna pull up what Mahomes was doing because that was much worse. This is you guys. This is ridiculous. If you're getting ready for a game and the opposing team has equipment where you're getting ready for the game. Yep. I'm going to kick it out of the way every time. Yeah, get rid, you're getting rid of it for sure. And right there, that's not bad at all. He's what, just yeah, picking it up and flipping about? it out of the way. I, I, I was talking more about stuff on the field with I, Kelsey. I, I know, but there was a lot of people on, on X and, and were texting like, how do you guys root for these guys? And I don't root for the Chiefs. But how do you guys – how can you guys not say these are villains? What? Like, what are we talking about? If you get ready for a baseball game and you see some bats and a glove on the left field um, foul line, and you're getting ready to throw, I'm gonna chuck your stuff in like. Well, then you know, you're, 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 you're kind of crossing a line a little bit. I mean, look, I saw guys doing it at the end of a state championship lacrosse game, and it's bush league. They're walking off the field. They just got their asses beat, and because the celebrating team has their sticks and their helmets and their pads laying all over okay, the field, that's sour and these grapes. guys are walking off and they're kicking it all. The, I mean, come on. That's you don't need grapes. to kick anything. Right there was fine. He picked it up, threw it out of the way, move on. We're, you're, we're, you're in our way getting ready for When I'm getting ready for, ready for battle. Listen. Look, you can get ready for battle and not be a jag. 
listen, I, I mean, I, this is sour, bad, sour, sour grapes after a game. That's one thing like you're like you're alluding to. I don't think these two things are the same. I, I think I think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are throwing before a game and Justin Tucker's equipment's right there. And there's like, get this stuff out of yeah, here. I, I agree with you 100 percent. I got I, no problem with it at all. None at all. But I'm just talking about the stuff that goes on the game. You I know, agree. when you start sitting here for a second and we get all worked up about this guy or this guy or that guy, whether it's a player, coach, whatever it might be. We heard a lot of this last year about people asking about John Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. When John Harbaugh took over, they went to one, two, three AFC championship games in his first five years. And they won a Super Bowl in 2012. They then went four of the next five years where they only made the playoffs one time. And the only playoff game they went to, they got beat. So they went five years of playing in an AFC championship three times and won a Super Bowl. They go the next... What is this? One, two, three, four, five, six... Seven. They go the next seven years and do not win a single playoff game. They get to the playoffs after they made it in 14. They lose in the divisional game, won a game, so they won one and then lost to the, to the Patriots. But then they go 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. They don't win a playoff game. In 2020... They lose to Buffalo in the divisional game, so they won one. Didn't make the playoffs the next year. Last year, lose a wild card game to the Bengals. This year, they win a playoff game. They lose a playoff game. So he has won two playoff games. Two. Since 2014. He's won three total since 2012. I mean, for a lot of guys out there, look at Mike McCarthy. I mean, they didn't win but one Super Bowl with him, but they were playing in that championship game seemingly every year. That's true. Right? That's true. And a tougher NFC, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, I'm not sitting here suggesting John Harbaugh should be fired. I mean, his career record is 160 and 99. That's a 62% winning percentage. It's incredible. He's had a great run at it. But, you know, you look at his first five years in the league, he won six, seven, eight, nine of his career 12 playoff wins came in his first five years. He has three in the last 12, 13 seasons. I mean, Johnny come lately league. What have you done for me lately? Right. There's a lot of similarities, not just between him. You mentioned Mike McCarthy. You could throw Mike Tomlin in there. And these these are three guys that have won 60% of their games in their career. Yep. Seemingly been in the postseason every year, but as of late, haven't had a whole lot of postseason success. Do we put too much um, credence on postseason success in the NFL? Maybe. Maybe we do. But, yeah, I mean, if – I mean, John Harbaugh's not going to lose his job. I mean, that's, that's he should. No, he's not going to lose sh- his he job. He shouldn't be on the hot seat. But if this same thing happens again, 
you know, where they look like the best team in the league as they did in 2019, as they did this year. And they don't get to the Super Bowl. The offense kind of no-shows there late. Then you can start having some serious conversations about what's going on there in John Harbaugh. And the one I mentioned this earlier, the one thing that was the most surprising from the from the Baltimore Ravens was just how it all kind of unraveled. The one thing that you would probably say about John Harbaugh and the guys like Mike Tomlin and stuff like that is they're not gonna they're not gonna um, shy up to competition, right? Yeah. They're they're not gonna unravel when the pressure gets a little a little too much. But they certainly did last night. So, yeah, no, I think John Harbaugh is a great coach. I did, I did like Jim was there. Jim was there. He was there. So Jim, Jim and John, those are those are the boys. Those are the those are the dynamic duo. How do we get a Chargers Ravens playoff game next year? That'll be elite. Well, they're playing in the regular season. In LA or in Baltimore? I don't know, but I, I thought I, I heard a, I the other day they're playing in the regular season next year. So that'd be fun. That, that would be fun. fun. That, that would be fun. fun. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Tom. You, you mentioned the conspiracies in your monologue. Oh, I, my gosh. Is it not? It's unbelievable you, to me. It's so uh, – like, even my wife will, like, point out – the big one was the logo, right? The Super Bowl logo over yeah. the last three years yeah. have shown both colors from the Super Bowl teams. So everyone's like, oh, there's purple and there's red. It means it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens versus the Kansas City – or versus the San Francisco 49ers. Watch out. And then it doesn't happen. I'm just so glad – that we don't have to hear about the logo conspiracy anymore. No, but you're going to hear a lot about. We're going to we're going to hear another conspiracy every year. I mean, that's just what it is. NFL's rigged, all this stuff. The other one was they want the first game of the year and the last game of the year to be the exact same: Lions versus Chiefs. <laughs> Whatever. It's it's so it's so tired, Tom. I don't know why we think that it is rigged. Like I, I truly don't understand why you think it's rigged. Because if it was, if it was. The NFL over the last 60 years has had thousands and hundreds of thousands of employees, right? Between players, coaches, people in the front office, all this stuff. And not a single person, (laughs) not one, we're not even talking about one Looney Tune going out there with tinfoil on his head going, I work for them and they rig it. Yeah. This is all rigged. Be the greatest secret of all time. Not (laughs) one person through the thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of employees have come out and said, oh yeah, we absolutely rig this stuff. This is, this hundred percent. We rig all of it. Yeah. You can't rig it, unfortunately, or else no. they would watch. No. So that, that, that would be tough. Uh, I did, I did believe in the uh, first game, last game thing, Tom, first game this season being chiefs lions. I, I really did believe that this, the, the, they would want the okay. last game. I thought that was a, a, a decent one. And to be quite honest, through two quarters, it, it certainly looked that way. But, yeah, that's silly. That's just people trying to make narratives that aren't there. Right. Um, but I mean, it's, it's always, fun to talk yeah, about. It's always interesting to ask questions where we're never going to find out the answer to. But, you know, it, the, America loves the underdog. Okay? Or, or America says it loves the underdog. I'm not so sure that I totally buy into that theory. But, but there have been too many examples where I kind of think, eh. I mean, otherwise, everybody, everybody and his brother would be rooting for Purdy. He's the ultimate underdog. Ugh. And you're not getting that feeling across America, I don't think. Right? No. I the, wonder if, it, it, you know, so I mean, about Mahomes going back to a Super Bowl, would more people watch if they were playing the Lions because they never won a Super Bowl? Or do more people want to see the San Francisco 49ers? Right? They've been to how many Super Bowls? One of the top three or four franchises, maybe in all of sports, right? 
going for their record-tying sixth Super Bowl title? We're not going to know the answer, but if you were just a betting man, more people watch if the Lions are in or the Niners in. Because the Chiefs, you get what you want. You really do. Yeah. People say they hate the Chiefs. They love to watch the Chiefs. The Taylor Swift thing is off the charts. People love it. They love it. They say they hate it, but they, they get mad when they see it. They still That's love right. it. That's right? It's one of those things. They love to talk about it. That's right. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would say if the Lions had beaten the 49ers like they did in the first half and the second half, like if they just continued that momentum and just absolutely looked like the best team in the NFC, then it probably would have been the Lions. But there's more San Francisco 49ers fans yeah. naturally, I think. Yeah. So just with that alone – probably going to be more watched than yeah. than that matchup but yeah i i think it's still going to be the most one of the most watched super bowls just because it, it keeps breaking the record it every does. year it I mean, does. And, there, and there are still storylines with the it's a it's yeah. a super bowl rematch mr uh, irrelevant of, of an upgrade to jimmy garoppolo so it's it's a yeah. very good 49ers team uh brock i'll give brock this he's better than jimmy g i'll, I'll give brock that um Jimmy, humble Jimmy G. Humble Jimmy G. Perennial loser. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I think more people, honest to God, they probably want to watch the 49ers Chiefs because they know it's going to be a close game. It's going to be within a touchdown. Um, but the Lions would have been damn fun. The Lions would have been damn fun. That is that is Cincinnati-esque. That, that's, a, that's a fan base starving, begging for a championship. And uh, it would have been cool to see. But I guess the, they'll have to wait. And, and Dan Campbell said in his – Post-game press conference, which I found it was it was pretty real. It was, and again, I I, I do personally like Dan Campbell. Uh, a lot of my anger is a because I had a bet on him, uh, huh. and b I thought it was nonsensical coaching. But he is a decent human being. He's a very good guy. He's a guy I'd, I'd go to battle for. Yeah. I'd buy. I'd buy. I'd greed. I'd bite your kneecap off for him if he mm. asked me to. Maybe that's why. He wasn't but he said he said it in his post-game press conference, and he was real when he said it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be twice as hard for the Lions to replicate this. It is going to be twice as difficult for the Lions to get back to where they were, and, and, and they're going to be. It's going to be as Tom likes to say, or as uh, not Tom, as uh, Zach Taylor likes to say. It's going to be tough sledding. Tough sledding. It's going to be tough sledding tough. to get back. So it, it'll be a big test next year to see if the Lions can replicate in a division that is definitely going to be better. The the NFC North is certainly going to be a lot better than it was this year. And this in this past year, they still had two playoff teams despite everything. No, so, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, if the Vikings, if Cousins leaves. You know, uh, the Bears, Bears the worse. Bears are in a total rebuild thing, it looks like, again. I don't know if the NFC North is any good. I mean, Green Bay, the kid, played good at the second half of the season. There's no doubt about it. He had a hell of a year. But let's see what he does next year. He's Everybody's just like Ellie De La Cruz, ready to put Jordan Love in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Yet Brock Purdy has 44 touchdowns in 21 career games. 44 touchdowns against 15 picks. Has the highest yards per attempt of any quarterback in the, the NFL stats. the last two years. I don't want to hear about your 50, stats. All right, well, how about <laughs> 17 stats. and 4? How's that stat? I don't want to hear about your stats. win 17 and lose 4. <laughs> That's and the play whole... in the NFC Championship game two years in a row. That's the whole thing about Brock Purdy is, is uh, we keep flexing the arguments about this smug and pompous um, no, you're the only one making given, that argument. Given, given the Nobody world, that's ever been around the guy says that except for you. I've never been guy, around thanks him. Guy, thanks the Lord on national television every time he comes on. It's all a ploy. He, it's all, yeah. Okay. It's all a ploy. It's all a ploy. Okay. All a ploy. All right. Yeah, he's beaten, he's beaten the, 
let's look at the quarter. Let's be. Let's look at the teams he's beaten um, in the postseason. Um, Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, uh, Green Bay team, Jordan Love, Jared Goff. Yeah, some big, big time wins up there from from Brock Purdy. The thing about Brock Purdy is, is the co- the conversation flexes around every time we want to talk about his stats. Well, I can I can show some other stats that that rival it, and then you want to go, okay, well, what about when he makes the big plays? Yeah, well, when I watch him, I'm, I'm not as impressed as when I watch I, other quarterbacks. I'm I don't want to do the Tom, Brock Purdy thing. Well, I want to do I want to do it real I quick. Want, I want one last, I have one last Brock Purdy point. Okay, because I think Tom might have swayed me there. You know who else talked about God in front of a crowd? little guy named Jesus Christ. So maybe there's a little bit of similarity there. That's my guy, Brock Purdy. Oh, boy. <laughs> of course, if you're NBC, you cut that out when you repost it after C.J. Stroud does it. you got to make sure you cut that out of anything you have on your website because Lord knows we can't have that. We, Chi-Town Real Estate with a $5 super chat. Reed won't answer. You can't be a Cubs fan and talk about other smugness. How are Cubs fans smug? Oh, my God. There's oh no more God. salt I mean, to the earth. We're, we're, we're not spending another minute on this. This, is, this conversation's over. Because anybody for a second that doesn't believe that Cub fans have a smugness about them, I mean, they have truly lost their mind. We are lost not. Their, we are oh salt God. of the earth. I love Tom. the people there. I'm not saying we're that. We're losers. Not we, what I'm saying. Love Everyone loves us. Up, how Everybody much did until they won. Right. Everybody, that's when it all changed. When they won. Is when it all, actually, it all, truth be told, it all changed when they lost the LCS against the Marlins. That's when the entire tide shifted the other way. Everybody used to root for the Cubs as a lovable loser. But even when they lost, the way the whole thing went down, everything changed after that. Come on. Come on. All right, I want to, I want, I want to spend a total of 15 minutes on, on what happened. And I, I really mean this, seriously. We jab Xavier a lot. I jab oh, Xavier no, a lot. Here we go. But, I mean, I, we I got to tell you, you know, if I'm a Xavier fan today, and, and, again, I just got finished saying five minutes ago, everybody can have a bad game. And you are playing the number one team in the country, and you're playing them on their home floor. And I think after watching here these last two or three weeks, remember the big kid, the seven foot two guy, he did not play against Xavier here. And it was a pretty competitive game. When that dude's on the floor, that is the best team in college basketball. Now, does that mean they're going to win the whole thing? Of course it doesn't. They could lose. They could lose to Carolina, or they could lose to Kansas, or they could lose to whoever. Could lose to anybody. But. When they've got all their pieces, that is some kind of UConn team. And they have a lot back from that national championship. But, man, if I'm a Xavier fan today, this is something we have never seen happen to Xavier teams. And you can say, well, it's only one game. Dude, by February, you know, the, the, the stuff early on, and I was all in Sean Miller's corner on this because I know exactly what he was talking about when he said, we had a bunch of new guys coming in, we lost so much, we had very few, what, two players that played really at all last year. You had the injuries to Fremantle, and you had the injuries to uh, Jerome uh, Hunter, so you weren't going to have them at the beginning of the year. They had some guys that weren't even with a team when they were summer practicing, so they had to learn all this stuff. And as recently as two or three weeks ago, I heard Miller on a post-game show talking about, you know, we, we can't even put in this kind of defense I want to put in because we're just trying to learn the stuff that we never got to learn in the summer. So I'm on board with all that. I get it. But we're, we're almost in February now. 
This isn't December losses to uh, the fighting Joe Bidens or who Oakland. Did we ever figure out, is that Michigan or California? Those are the games they lost at home, okay, to Delaware and to Oakland. Okay. Okay. But we are almost now in February. We are a month away from the NCAA tournament, the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament starting. And you go on the road and get beat by 43 points? How does that happen? It's, Tom, it, it, you're right. It is inexcusable. I mean, even for a team that has all of the quote-unquote excuses that Xavier has, you, you just can't absolutely no-show. I, I, I watched – I did not even turn on the second half. I watched the entire first half. They did not score a single point until about the 16-minute mark. So, like, the first five minutes, four or five minutes, they did not score. And then they went 10 minutes without making a field goal from, like, the 12-minute mark to the three-minute mark. So, it was all around just a terrible game. Here's the thing. And – the point about Xavier is, is they don't have a single piece from their starting five a year ago. And this is the only excuse I'll make for them is the blue bloods, right? The Kansases, the UNCs, yeah. the Dukes, the UKs, they can refresh their entire starting yeah, five every year because right. they're going to get elite of elite talent every single year. The teams that are good programs, very good programs like the Xavier's of the world, when you're playing in the Big East, you can't bring back nobody and expect to be successful. And that's, that's just where it was last year, right? Yeah. Everyone, everyone graduated, and the two guys that played significant time last year that were going to come back get hurt in the preseason, Zach Fremantle and uh, Jerome Hunt. Yep. Two really good players. Zach Fremantle, I, I would argue, at times was Xavier's best yep, player last year. I would year. agree 100%. Double-double machine. Right. He, he, he's a prolific scorer. Um, yeah, I, at times he would have been by far and away the best player on this Xavier team this year. But it's just you, you can't expect to come in and have a, a whole new crop of talent. I mean, Des Claude was the only guy that really saw any That's time right. last year. That's Des Claude right. was it yep. on this Xavier team. And now they're trying to compete in the second best conference in the country in the Big East while playing the third hardest schedule in the country. I mean, they've played Purdue, yes, they have. Houston, UConn twice, um, Washington. Right. Right, all yeah. these teams. Yeah. All these teams. It's 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 just a very tough schedule and, and you're seeing the growing pains right in front of your eyes. That's yeah. all it is. One of the things too though, fine. like you mentioned their schedule. It, it it has been probably you said it was the third hardest schedule, like just in, in general. Yeah. It's probably been the toughest schedule, period, up to this point. The that the rest of their schedule to me is very winnable. I mean Marquette is gonna be hard, but they can win games against DePaul. They can win their game against Villanova. They can win against St. John's. They can win. They can beat Georgetown. They can beat Butler again. Yep. Uh, Creighton is going to be tough, but it's at home. Yep. Like, they they have a very winnable schedule. I still think that they go, like, 18 wins, 19 wins. It, listen, if, like, they, if they rattle off and have a great February, win a game in the Big East, you guys are going to be crazy here. Gonna be crazy. They still can sneak in. No, but. and they're, and, they're, and, to, and Mouse has been saying it in the chat. Their strength of schedule is very, very good. So if they get to 18 wins, and as long as they don't get bounced in the first round of the Big East, they'll be fine. They can they can absolutely yeah. still make the tournament. 
I don't think. Listen, Zay, that loss yesterday uh, by Xavier that was terrible. I think it was uh, it was thirty eight to eight at one point. Yeah, they started I mean, off was, ten nothing. It was ten nothing to start. It was brutal. I, I watched a very little bit of it um, before I had to turn it off because I couldn't bear to watch it anymore. <laughs> but I, I will say this, and this is in all seriousness. In all seriousness. They are a very good team. They are a decent team. Who? Uh, Xavier. I think yeah, very I good team. Very oh, good team. Oh man, you're very you're so soft. Very you're good. So very soft. good. I'm complimenting them. They're a very good team, and they will be back. We will see. Very Tom, good team means Tom. they're ten and ten. Very I, good. I mean, I'm sitting here looking, and I, I I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And then you can't lie, but you can't you, you can't skew the numbers here because they are they are what they are. But, but I, I literally, I sit here and I ask myself, who have they beaten? I mean, you can say, well, yeah, we play all these tough teams, but every time you play the tough teams, you lose. I mean, at least you see, you can say, they play a lot of good teams and they find a way to win some of them. I mean, Xavier this year has played, they've lost. We, we, we talked about a heart. They played Purdue, they lost. They played Washington, they lost. Beat St. Mary's. They, St. Mary's. Saint they Mary's. played. They played Houston. They lost. They they did beat UC. We know that. They played Seton Hall, who had just lost their best player for the season. Right. Well, they won that game. Okay. So I give them that. They lost to St. John's. They lost to Villanova. They lost to UConn. They beat a Butler team. They beat a Providence team. They're not good. They they beat Georgetown. They lost to a ranked team in Creighton. They have not beaten a ranked team all year long. Now, I'm not sitting here beating them down because I'm not going to do it because I think his roster is definitely short this season. There's no doubt about it. And Sean Miller is an accomplished, proven coach who will get the whole thing together. But, but I have to be wondering, you know, if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a Xavier fan, I just got to be wondering, how do you lose by 43 points to anybody? I I. To some point, I agree. A forty-three point loss is pretty bad. But to, to again, I'm not going to be. You just turn it off, though. As I'm a not, fan, that's right. I'm not, just, listen, I'm not a Xavier Don't fan, worry. but they've got a lot of young guys. Their oldest guy, Quincy, that's my guy. Uh, Reed has informed me, uh, and Mouse has informed me many a times that he doesn't play great on the road. He certainly didn't play great yesterday. Four for six from three points. He's still shooting like forty-eight. He, was, he started zero for seven from the field. That's not good. That's certainly not good. But yeah, Xavier Xavier's not done yet. It's just a bad loss. On the other Tom, hand, Tom, we haven't well, talked about UC yet. Who, by the way, that was a spec. That. We have that is a spectacular. And in fairness, TC, in fairness, UC has only beaten one team that's ranked this year. That was ranked when they played them. Now they have played a number of teams that have been ranked during the season, but when they played them. Their only win against a ranked team was BYU. They lost to TCU, who's been ranked, but not ranked now when they played them. They've lost to Texas. Uh, they lost to Baylor. They lost to oh, but TCU was not ranked. They lost to Oklahoma, who was ranked 11th at the time. They lost to Kansas, who was ranked 7th at the time. But, TCU was ranked, I believe. I think they no, were. They, they weren't when they played them. No, they're I think 19. they were because they were ranked 19. Okay, well, then every, this is a every, different poll than they must be used. Everybody, okay. everybody then, they, then they've beaten two ranked teams this year, two. Yeah. And they've played a ton of them, and we know they've got a ton more. After this West Virginia game, you got Texas Tech who's beaten Kansas. They're ranked. You got Houston who, over the weekend, I mean, as good as UConn looked, Houston looked almost as good. That is a serious basketball team. Iowa State is ranked. They're going to play again 
uh, TCU, who will be ranked. They're going to play Houston again, who will be ranked. They will play Oklahoma again, who is ranked number 11. So they're, uh, they, they got a chance to put together, if they can find a way to sneak a few of these out, a pretty good resume. It comes down. It comes down to Dan Skillings. If Dan Skillings can keep up uh, this performance that he that or replicate this performance that he had on Saturday, UC's going to be fine. John Newman, a guy that Casey and Trace declared bad after I think one five minute stretch in a game three That's weeks right. ago. They, you he declared said, him bad. Yeah, he said I, he was, was terrible. He I said was he was terrible. Tom. I was trolling. Elliot, this is Tom. This was the, the most important player on their team the, yeah. by far. By, by far. far. By he's far. the best defensive player on the team, bar none. And offensively, he's he's one of the few guys that can drive with authority to the rim. And Casey, after a three-minute stretch, this is the exact quote. I have never watched UC play before, but after watching this three-minute stretch, John Newman is a bad basketball player. That is the exact <laughs> test. Exactly what that I is said. the exact Casey, text. Casey. I heard exactly it. And I think I him said. and Trace were over there giggling about it. God knows what – I mean, Trace has seven bandwagon teams, Georgia, Kansas. I don't know who he's on now, Packers. But it, it doesn't matter. Listen, UC is all the way back. Uh, you win a couple games. All the beat, way back. You beat All the way back. If you beat West Virginia, Tom, you're right on track still. You're absolutely on track. Absolutely, you're on track, and this is without this is this is without Lockin. By the way, I'm not I'm not the biggest Lockin fan in the world. I think he's a little bit weak down low, uh, but defensively he's okay, and, and offensively he's, he doesn't do enough. But I will say this: if we if we're able to get um, C.J. Frederick back in some capacity, and we're able to have somebody that can shoot a three pointer, I think UC finished like three for fourteen from from beyond the arc uh, in the win over UCF. Somebody that can make a three pointer, this team will be somewhat good going forward. Pretty good. They play five ranked opponents. The rest, the remaining of their schedule as it currently stands. Out of those five, it's Texas Tech, Houston twice, Iowa, and Oklahoma. Which games do they need to win to for sure secure a spot? They need to win one five. of those games and win the rest of them. Just one? And or maybe, then win the maybe rest? two. They probably have to beat. They got three conference wins. They've got to get five more wins. More than likely, if they get to eight or nine, they're going to get in. So you're going to have to find a way to steal one against a TCU or a, or a Texas Tech or an Iowa State, but you can't lose to UCF and West Virginia. You have two more games against West Virginia left this year. Right. I mean, you can't, you can't lose those games. You have to win those games yep. if you want to get in. Um, and there's a lot of college basketball left. You forget we basically every team basically has about 11 or 12 games left in the season. Oh, a yeah. month, yeah. Yeah. So there's still a lot left. This to Saturday go. slate is unbelievable. The Saturday slate of college basketball is unbelievable. Ah, this is when it really picks up. One final thing, Tom. We've talked. I just want to point this because you've you've been hard on Villanova this year, and rightfully so. They've lost four out of five games. They lost to Butler on Saturday in double overtime. Tom. Butler did not score a field goal for the first eight minutes of that game. And Villanova lost. That's terrible. <laughs> insane. It was it was eleven to nothing in the first. Well, eight I, you know, that, that's why. I mean, I just again, I I really do have a lot of respect for Lenardi. I think the guy works his tail off, morning, noon, and night. This guy's up all hours of the night punching in these numbers to computers and all this kind of stuff. But that's why when I saw this morning, when I saw Villanova, with what you just said, lost four out of five. Right. They get hammered by St. John's. I right. mean, get blown out of the gym. I sit there and I say to myself, you see every game they play is a one-possession game. Every game, win or lose. I mean, they're losing by five. They're losing by three. They're winning by two. They're winning by four. 
every game is basically down to a possession or two in the best conference in the country. And and, and Villanova's playing St. John's, who's lost seven, and and they got a good team. They're improved, but they get completely blown out of the gym, and they've lost four out of five, and that's a tournament team ahead of UC. I don't know. They know a lot more about it than I do. That's well. And Super Chats, I don't think we got to them. The Zay Flowers fumble is an example of instant karma, says Big C. That was, I believe. And Chi-Town says, Reed won't answer. You can't be a Cubs fan and talk about other smugness. I don't don't get it. There's no one more humble. There's no one more grounded in reality than Chicago Cubs fans. I I don't get that at all. When you see smug, when you like think of the words smugness and pompous, the first thing that comes to your mind is a picture of Brock Purdy. The last thing is Chicago Cubs fans. Go watch, if you don't believe me, go watch Catching Hell. No one handled I that situation times. with Steve Bartman better than Cubs fans. No one did. No other fan base could have handled that better. Cubs fans handled that perfectly. They threw a lot of hot dogs at him. You, you are pro throwing hot dogs at people. I am. Oh, yeah, we didn't have, I did have that take. I did have that you, take. Said, you said throwing. I did have that take. Last week, you said throwing snowballs and hot dogs at Patrick Mullins is okay. That's. Because uh, it's all a good fun. I did have, all I did have that take. Fun. I did just, have that take. Just the fellas. I'll, that's fine. I'll stand, I'll stand by that take. That's just boys being boys. Superboy right. Wonder, one more super chat. Ravens are frauds like Lamar Fraud Jackson. Calling Lamar Jackson a fraud is silly. He's won two MV- He's going to win oh. two MVPs. Mm. It's silly. Calling the, the Ravens frauds when they mm. kicked every team in the league's ass this year. Mm. And then they lose to the best dynasty we've seen since the Patriots. But Lamar Jackson didn't throw a 50-yard pass off a of Detroit off Lions of, off helmet. Of dudes, five off of, yards yeah, in did, front he, of his He didn't receiver. do that and had the exact same stats as Brock Purdy. <laughs> but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> do we have a uh, cherry on top today or no? I think that was the cherry. That was it? That was it. That yeah. was it. Okay. All right. Uh, you guys have box lunch coming up. We do. Your data host. My data host. Your data host. All right. Gentlemen, thank you. Everybody have a good rest of your day. God bless. You too, God Tom. bless indeed. And it's time for box lunch. Here we go.